marching forward, page number eight. Page number eight in your material, if you have it in your hand. Twenty mistakes ministers make about money in ministry. The twenty mistakes that ministers make about money in ministry. And our study, this particular one is going to be based on Balaam. So let's read the Bible in Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. Now I'm reading the Bible so that each of us will know that these are not figments of somebody's imagination that they are there in the scriptures for us. The Bible says, whatever thing we're written at full time, we're written for our learning and for instruction in the truth that the man of God may be thoroughly perfect unto all good works. So, and these things were written for us too. Naaman is a classic example of a man of God who was called by the Lord. He was called by the Lord. He was gifted to prophesy. He was very popular and was sought after by the noble and the mighty. But he was an avaricious and greedy man of God. He was greedy of gain and therefore sought to alter the divine plan of God. Unfortunately, he died because of his wrong attitude of avarice. Now, in Numbers 22, let me read from verse 5. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Baal, to Petor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, these people. For they are too mighty for me. Preventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot not that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and to him who thou causest is cause. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of dividation in their land, in their hand. And they came unto Balaam, and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lord, you hear this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, quick cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Preventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, that shall not go with them. That shall not cause the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refused to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. And Balak said yet again, Princes, more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus said Balak the son of Zippor, let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor. And I will do whatsoever thou said unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me these people. And as you read, and you read, and you read, eventually, Balaam followed them. Don't forget the first thing God said. You will not go. And you will not curse these people. Because they are blessed. But he kept on piling pressure on God because the reward was increasing. They were adding more money, more wealth, more riches, more promises. Balak was sending more people, 
More people. And you know he became so greedy. He became so avaricious. And you know at a point in the story. As he was going. God had to say. Okay you want to go. Go. That's not the perfect will of God. That's the permissive will of God. You want to go? Go. Well, you know. That was what God meant. Go. And you know he went. While he was going, the ass he was riding saw an angel. And you know the rest of the story. But eventually, Balaam died with his enemies. Not because he was not a prophet. Not because he was not anointed and gifted. Not because he doesn't hear clearly from the Lord. Not because the anointing departed from me, from him. But mainly because he was greedy of gain. His attitude of money was wrong. Now let me give you the home truth for this conference. The general home truth. Once your attitude to money is wrong, your ministry can never be right. Hello? That is the truth. And it's the last sentence there. In that introduction. It is an altruism that once your attitude about money is wrong, your life and your ministry will never be right. And that's the truth, my brethren. Many of us today, we are anointed. We are called. We are commissioned. Many of us, we carry great anointing. But our attitude to money is wrong. And you know, once our attitude is wrong, our ministry and our life will never be right. Somewhere along the line, we will miss it. I pray in this conference, and as we get through these materials, listen to tape over and over, I pray every wrong attitude in our life concerning money, God will correct it in Jesus' name. You know, and this is the truth, my brethren. When you see a minister that started so well, so powerfully, so wonderfully, so marvelously, and we are praising God for his life and ministry, it's because, I mean, I mean, but somewhere along the line, he derailed. He started preaching error. He started doing a lot of things. The truth is this. He never for once allowed God to correct his wrong attitudes about money. And what happened to Balaam there? He died with his enemies. And God has to kill him. And I'm sure he didn't get to heaven. Because why? His attitude to money was wrong. God told him clearly, don't go. Don't curse those people. But he went because of money. And you know most of the time, he wants to prophesy, the spirit of God will take over. Say there's no divination against Israel. There's no enchantment against Jacob. He that has called them has blessed them. Nobody can curse them. He watered those prophecies. And that man will say, no, 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 no. Let's go to another mountain. I'll give you much more. And money ruined his ministry. The father, your ministry is great. Your name is big. You have a large ministry. Doesn't mean you will last. Once your attitude to money is wrong, everything will quench one day. You know, the issue of Numbers 25. When the children of Israel were sleeping with the Moabite women, it was caused by Balaam. We didn't know he was the one who caused it. It was Revelation chapter 2 that told us the truth. Years later. Because once he discovered that, he could not cause the people. Each time he wants to prophesy, the spirit of God will take over. He will be blessing the people. And Balak will say, Oh, you are not cursing these people. You are missing this money. Oh. He now called him and said, Okay, if I cannot curse them, let me tell you what will make God to be angry with them. 
and find your beautiful girls and send them to them. Once they start sleeping with them, they are cursed. And you know that's what happened in number 25. And those beautiful girls were coming. And this said, like, imagine people are being in the wilderness for a long time. One Robbery, and one and one daughter Bisaginju, Tati Dagba. But you won't charge Buruku. Once they gave them those women, wow. They start sleeping with them. And 24,000 people died. He could not cause them, but he was the one who gave the advice that led to the death of 24,000 people. And you know, in Revelation chapter 2, the Bible was not telling us that we should not be covetous. We should not allow Jezebel in the church. We should not, I mean, that some people have the doctrine of the Balaam who caused Israel to sin. Who advised Balak on what to do. And you know, I love the way Peter put it very well. Look at Second Peter. Oh, I love the way Peter put it. I love his writings. Apostle Peter. Oh, I love his writings. Hello? Are you there? Yes. Second Peter chapter 2. Look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 15. Which has forsaken the right way and have gone astray following the will of Balaam, the son of Bosso. Who love the wages of unrighteousness? He love the wages of unrighteousness. And that's what many of us, that's the way the Bible can describe us today. We love the wages of unrighteousness. The gain, the profit, the money, the fame, the unrighteousness we bring. We love it. Even though he's a prophet of God. Even though he's called, he's anointed. He's gifted. God speaks to him. He hears clearly. The anointing was strong on him. But he has this greediness. This covetousness. And the Bible says, he was one cancer. Balak. To put a stumbling block before the children of history. And before you know it, 24,000 people were dead. It's my prayer that in this conference, God will correct our wrong attitudes. I can't hear you. Amen. Okay, let's look at them because I have a long way to go. I need to go through them very much and try to explain what are the wrong attitudes we have today. What are the mistakes we make when it comes to money, ministers, ministers. Number one, profound ignorance. Many of us are so ignorant about money, ministry. We only know about God calling us. I have the call. I have the anointing. I have the grace. God has called me. I am committed. I'm a prophet. I'm an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I'm a prophet. I'm a teacher. I'll preach the gospel. I'll die for the gospel. I'll do everything for the gospel. How about the money of the gospel? We know next to nothing. And what you don't know is what will kill you. Ask any minister. What is our financial intelligence? Almost zero. How do we handle money in the church? We don't know. Because in Bible school, they don't teach us. In school of ministry, they don't teach us. They don't tell us. How do we make money? How do we manage money? How do we multiply money? We don't know. We have businessmen in our church. What we know is that we should gather them to main seminar and collect money from them. After that one call, nothing more. What do we know about church account? We know next to nothing. We just know income and expenditure. And to some of us, I can dab with Luni. Just gather everything together. We'll just spend it. It's for God, Yare. We know next to nothing. 
big, big mistake. Because when we are ignorant about money, money will rule and dominate us. And let me tell you this. You can't afford to be ignorant about money. When there's money seminars, people do seminars on money. What, I didn't go to teach me about money. I don't know any, I don't need to know anything. I am called to preach the gospel. And you know, I've heard ministers say, you see, I'm called to preach the gospel. I don't touch money. I told you, yeah, money will touch you. All this little knowledge about money has made us to bring secular speakers to the church. And we brought in a lot of ministers that take advantage of us. Now we should be informed. It's a big mistake. Number two, another mistake. We have this receiving mentality. We have this receiving mentality. Okay, majority of ministers believe that they are in the ministry to receive from people and not to give. It's a mighty mistake. And most of all, we just love to receive and receive and receive and receive. Therefore, they cook up every receipt and trick to get from people. They have receiving mentality because they are ministers. They never give nor pay tight regularly. Look at the next sentence and underline it. Ministers are the worst givers. And that's why many of us are poor. That's why some of us, our children die, our wife die, our ministry collapse, our ministry remains the same. Things break into the, our church and take things away. Why? We are not givers. We don't give. Tight, we don't pay. Offering, we don't give. Seed, we don't sow. I've seen situations that we, we were in the class. We were asking students to give offering. After class, oh, mm-hmm. I, I remember a preacher. He would come to the class. He would just fold his hand. He would drop nothing there. Who are we deceiving? We don't give. If I ask you a question, when last did you pay your tithes? That's why the course of Genesis 28 is fulfilling in your life and your ministry. No pay tithes. Ministers don't give. We believe we should receive. Can you believe? Even some people come to this conference, they want to enter free of charge. Somebody was calling us. Hey, I don't have money. Oh, and me and my wife, we are coming. Oh, ministers by fire, fire force. Ministers. Hello. We have this receiving mentality in our church. We believe people should give to us. People should give to us. And every service we render, we should collect money. If they are not giving us, <laughs> even when you go preach somewhere and they are not giving you honorarium, you get annoyed. Isn't it? Mistakes. Becoming full-time minister too soon. <laughs> I've commented on that. Penury and squalor. And stalling some ministers in the face simply because they have resigned their job and focused on ministry. When the work was too small to cater for them. Please underline that. When the work was too small to cater for them. Wrong counseling and misplaced passion have led to this error of judgments. They therefore become beggars and they suffer loss of avoidable pain, shame, and anguish. And some of them have lost their wife, lost their children. It's a money mistake, my brother. When you become full-time minister, too soon, too quickly. When the work is still suffering. When the work is still at the tottering stage. When you need to invest and invest and invest and invest in that work. Oh, you don't know that ministry. You need to reinvest and invest and invest in it. Until the ministry will be okay financially. Oh, some of you look at church growth today. You say, this ministry, shah? This is their church growth, shah? Do they have money somewhere? No! I'm teaching, what I'm doing is what I'm going to teach you this week. I may not talk with my full mouth. I may not say me. But I'll, I'll be teaching you what we did. Oh, for your information, those of you who didn't know, we started with 800 Naira. 
800 naira. I was a pastor in the CSC church and they were paying me 800 naira. My senior over, uh, my, the pastor that was overseeing my local branch is here. He's here. Listen to me. So he can testify that I'm telling the lie or the truth. When I was a pastor under them, under them. May God forgive me my sin. We started just like that. Those of you know our story. When we are good news, when we are first act, when we are renting places and here and there, all of you know here. Some of you are still around. And you wonder, they keep on doing conference. They keep on doing this. My brother, this is what we did. Invest and reinvest. Reinvest and invest. Oh, I have a lot of quarrels. Oh, people that started with us, they are not with us. A lot of people have went away. Why? Money. Because I won't kill myself for you. Like that. Hello. Number four. Another mistake. Personal empire. Very many ministers make the mistake of personalizing church monies. They pocket it and fail to give account to anybody. I said that. Actually, they started the church because of their stomach. And there are many churches like that. Francis Freedom Evangelistic Holy Ghost, the Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> you know, there are many funny names. Many fu- amazingly funny names. I was reading something in the internet. Somebody sent it to me yesterday. I was reading. I said, what? The true gospel church of God. The true apostolic church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The true assemblies of God. Jesus has come gospel church. Receive your miracle now, Bible church. <laughs> amazing names. Amazing names. Shh, don't let me talk. Maybe I'll hit somebody. <laughs> we started the job because of our stomach. And if you read that, Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19... Paul said, some people are preaching the gospel because of their stomach. Their God is their belly. Whose glory is their shame? Who mind earthly things? Yes. They believe that the money of God is for the man of God and nobody should ask questions. They fleece rather than feed the sheep. And in churches like that, what do they do? They ask you to contribute money. And when you contribute money, they change the purpose. Hello? I remember a bishop some very, very few years back. He said he wants to start a printing house. People should, people should donate money, donate money, donate money. And people donated money. At the end of the day, the, the thing was personalized. And you know, recent, many of us, whoa, 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 what I'm saying here, I have no apology to anybody. Many of our big, in quotes, we can't follow them or else we will go to hell. Some people are turning church into their personal name today. I can give you names, but I don't need to. Some people register in the name of themselves and their family. Some people are cornering all their money. I pray Nigeria will wake up. I pray government will wake up. So a judgment can begin from the house of God. You know Jim Baker in America? He didn't go to jail. They sent him to 490 years imprisonment. American government. Not because he slept with a woman, but because he never rendered the account of his church. Nigeria look bully, look bully. You can register a church and you can personalize the money. And nobody is asking questions. Eh, eh, our justification. Eh, eh, even those who are in government should be there eating the money. 
Are you not a light? Didn't Jesus say you are a sword? Didn't the Bible say our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees? Are we not to be a model to them? Must we stoop low and join them? And you don't pay tax because, eh, you see, even when you pay, those people that are eating, they are eating. What's your problem in that? The Bible says you should be a good citizen of your country. You know, I've seen amazing things we do as ministers. I remember the other day, I was in somebody's car and we got to the O2 gate. And we had to pay the two. And he said, I don't pay because I'm a pastor. I shouted on him and said, Come and pay. What's your problem? The fact that you're a pastor doesn't mean you should not pay too. But that's all we do. Even most of us, we don't have license of our vehicle. Church bus, church bus. I want to pay church bus in particular. Even our church bus, we don't have particulars. Even some of us, for our vehicle, no particular, nothing. Are you, are you destroying Nigeria or you are repairing it? Are you a Christian? Personal empire, we cover, we corner the money. We misappropriate. Number five, poor management. Church and ministry monies have been poorly managed today. Is that someone is keeping it in his, house, in his or her house or a committee is sitting over it? Is that not so? So many churches, we don't have account. We don't have bank account. We put the money in somebody's hand and that person eats the money. There's no transference of record of income or expenditure. Expenses are deducted from source. And some of them are going into private pockets. Yes. All these are known to the minister simply because they believe that God has called them to preach and not to touch money. If you don't touch money, money will touch you, shall? Number six, extreme emphasis. That's another mistake. Another mistake is when there's too much emphasis on money. Giving and tithes until every service, every meeting, and every event is turned into money making and fundraising ventures. I know churches that they collect about seven, eight different kinds of offering. If I know churches, I've been in churches on a Sunday that the time to collect offering is one hour. And when you want to preach, they say it's at 20 minutes. Shoki love okay. Say what is job okay? Hello. Unfortunately, pastors, ministers, we are becoming contractors today. We are be, even guest speakers. We have become contractors. You know, one of the things I hate most about going to churches, a lot of people do invite me, but I, I don't go. I don't go to churches. You know what I hate most? When I get there, somebody say, Esther, you help us to raise money. I hate it. Why should I raise money for you? For what? That's how you help us to raise money. That's why I banned myself from attending church anniversaries. Go Sibo Shefesh anniversary at Timawa. Go the Sibo Shefesh birthday at Timawa. Officially. Mole Walo Ruo. Shumami in Walo so. Yeah, Nicodemus that visited Jesus in the night. Thank you, my brother. Because we turn into money making, money making, money making. Why should I help you to raise money? My belief is this. If guest speakers can raise more money than you in your church, it simply means you have a problem with integrity. It simply means your people don't trust you. The one you raised earlier, what did you do with it? That you now need a guest speaker to help you raise money. 
I know I've been in churches where I help them to raise money or I preach. And uh, they say, okay, somebody say, hey, our preacher, he preached so well. Are you blessed? People say, yes. Are you blessed? Yes. Let us buy him an ice water. Let us buy something for him. Let us give him. Oh, yeah, 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 my people. And you know people naturally, they give more. And you know churches gather those money. They never gave it to me. I'm only... Or some, I remember one, they only gave me 600 naira in an envelope. I remember one, I did it for three days. And they said, sir, we are coming, we are coming. Let us gather everything. We'll come and see you. Lati, more than six years, they have never come. No, that's what we do. And those are things that bring causes upon our ministry. Hello? I can tell you much. But let's leave that area. Let's concentrate on these mistakes. Now, when there's so much emphasis on money, 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 every service, every meeting, every event, you use it to raise money. People will look at you. They know what you are looking for in ministry. It's a, it's a big mistake. Oh, somebody say, what are you saying? Are you saying we should not collect offering? No. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying extreme emphasis. Poverty mindset. Some of us believe that when you become a minister, you should be poor. Me, I don't believe it. Somebody can testify here. In 1988, I was still a part-time minister. That's the year I, I've been ministering before then. I've been ministering. I've been preaching here and there. I go places and preach and uh, God was doing one. But officially, when I graduated from my first Bible school in 1988, August, that's when I went and joined the ministers of our church. I was a part-time. I remember in those days, 88, I was in our ministers' meeting. I was the youngest. I was the newest. And I was the smallest. I remember our general verse, I was saying something by then. Uh, somebody that can testify is here. He's listening to me now. Hey, uh, was saying, and hey, you see, you these young people that are coming to ministry now, I think you people should not suffer. We should go and buy motorcycle and find a way of contributing money so that we can buy motorcycle so that I can be working for you or you be riding there. I raise up my hand. They say, Yes, Francis, what do you have to say? Remember, I was the newest, I was the youngest, I was the smallest, I was the least experienced. I said, Sir, you say you want to buy motorcycle for us, one I said, Count me out, sir. If I'm going to ride anything in this work at all, now four leg. Me, I don't go ride motorcycles out. My mommy won't leave. Huh? They shout me down. You are proud. You are cocky. You are this. How can you say that? You don't have experience. You are just coming to ministry. I say, where? I agree. Oh. I don't have experience. I am proud. I am small. I agree. But my own be say, if I'm to ride anything in this ministry, now four leg. No be two leg. That's my own belief. You know what? Okay, Kaka Marwa. Okay, show you. You know, you know, many years. Okay, I remember when we finished that meeting. That oh, that meeting was very bad. I mean, I was castigated, I was lambasted, I was uh, ridiculed, I was done all that. But that's my conviction. That doesn't concern me. Now, after the meeting, I remember one minister. He escorted me out and he said, "Look, Francis, you don't have experience." I said, hey. he said, yes. He said, you see, we need to start from poverty level. Ah. I said, me, I don't believe in that. It is so that I can escape poverty. That's why I left my hometown for Lagos. 
and God called me and I became a minister. I reject poverty. You know, 10 years later, I bought my first car. Cash. Of those second hand or even fourth hand. But it doesn't matter. Mato ni mato nja. Bogo aye longo mato. Emi na shangunka. Boti leje katapila. Mato ni mato nja. That was where I started. Either fourth hand or whatever. But I bought one. You know that minister saw me. The one was rebooking me the other day. He saw me. I said, you this boy. You said it too. I said, so it is. But thank God I'm not riding fourth hand today. I remember since then now. This is my eighth car. I buy gift to people. Buy gift to people. Buy, I can give to people every day. But I mean, I buy gift to people. I'm not Okada. God will do your own. What am I saying? Don't glorify poverty mindset in ministry. What you say, what you believe, your mindset is what you get. So it's a mistake for you to believe that <laughs> you are a ministry to be poor. If you believe that and you walk that and you confess that, that's all you have. Failure to invest in ministry is another mistake. It is a great mistake when a minister starts a ministry and fails to continue to invest time, talent, and treasures in that ministry. That's the truth, my brother. Some of us start a ministry whereby we only want to get and get and get and get. No! There's a time to invest in that ministry. Invest your time, your talent, and treasures. Hello? Can I give you a quote from the book of Elders? Chapter 14, verse 25. The ministry you don't suffer for today will not feed you tomorrow. Verse 26. The ministry that doesn't take sleep away from your eyes today will not give you peace of mind tomorrow. And there are many ministers. There are ministries, invitation ministry, invitation ministry. People should invite me. People should invite me. And when people invite you, they give you honorarium. What do you do with the honorarium? You finish it. You blow it. Eh? In the belief that God will provide another one. God is not a prodigal God. Let me tell you this. Another home truth. You will never be rich twice in your life. You will only be rich once. If you don't manage it well, weeping will endure longer than a night for you. Do you hear me? I say you will never be what? Twice. You'll never be rich twice. You'll be rich once. God will blow the thing. The thing will be flowing and flowing and flowing. You better be wise. You better be wise. And that's what has happened to all these our evangelists. All our evangelists of yesteryears. People who shook nations and shook stadiums and shook all those things. People that doesn't have ministry but they shook these things. And they get fat honorarium. But what do they do with it? Blow it. Live in the best hotels. And some of them marry women. Some of them build expansive mansions that they don't need. And at the end of the day, when they become old, like the statistics I gave you the other time, they start begging because the money is not there. You know what money says? Money says, I, had, I don't have relation. I roll here. If you don't tie me down, I roll away. You need to invest in ministry. If you are running a ministry and you are going here and there, 
Honorero is coming in. Don't be proud, though. Jackie Ori, Rekio, Shekinio, Kyokpe. And that's why some, some people, they go and start church. When God has not called you to start a church, I'll talk about that tomorrow. God give you a youth ministry, a children ministry, a marriage ministry, a counseling ministry, a prayer ministry, a prophetic ministry. Why are you starting a church? For what? It's because you are poor in your financial intelligence. Because when you go here and there, they give you honorarium. Even if it is 10,000, 15,000, you need to reinvest it in that ministry. You don't do, it's a big mistake. Look, when I come to your church, I preach for you. Either three, four, five days. And you gave me honorarium. Either 5,000 or 10,000 or 50,000. That is what you owe me. Tomorrow, God forbid, if anything happens to me, I don't have the right to come back to you and say, look, you see, I preach in this church. Oh, I help you to grow this church. Oh, oh, yeah, give me money. No. What do you do with the one they gave to you? It's like an evangelist. They gave a money to him in those days. I'm talking of around 19, 1990, 1991, 92. Yeah, they gave him, by then, they gave him 200,000. And you know, that was real big money. What did he do with it? He went and rent three bedroom flats. And pay some of his debts. The boy is good. Hey, sir, you don't invest this money. Say the God will provide this one, will provide another one. That God has not provided another one. Mistakes in ministry. Some of us don't know that you need to invest and reinvest and reinvest in that ministry. Until the thing we will be able to will be able to, to, to self-generate itself. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Maybe Wednesday, Thursday. I'll tell you how to open sources of income for your ministry. There are a lot of sources of income. Your money must not come from one source. You do it gradually, systematically. While you are focusing on heaven, your feet must be strong here. Tell you how to today. Am I talking to somebody? Yes. Your, 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 your heart is in heaven. We are, yes, that's where our city is, our nation is, where, that's where we are going. But your feet must be strong here. People who preach Jesus is coming 30, 40, 50 years ago. Where are they today? They never invested, they never nurtured the ministry, and the ministry is collapsing. No, that's not the way it should be. You nurture the ministry. You invest in ministry. So when you don't invest in ministry, you chop all the money, you eat with ten fingers. You are living beyond your means. And you know some of us, we are riding the vehicles we don't need. Some of us, we are building the houses we don't need. Let me tell you all home truth. Can I tell you another home truth? Look, if you want to build house as a minister, don't build all these duplex. All these, uh, the ground floor. His uh, kitchen, living room. Your rooms are upstairs. Go back there, go upstairs. Am I talking to somebody? Hey, I'm building for my children. Quit children. Quit this. Quit children. Hey, it's my children. Quit children. These children you are sending to school and they are becoming lawyers and doctors and engineers. You think they are coming back to live in your house? If they come back and live there, it's a cost. They are going away. So why are wasting your money building big houses? You don't need to climb step. 
परी बाबा कोको यू कैन वर्क इट देवी वन ऑन साइड कोई मोमेंट आगो मा पे यू बी ओल्ड इन दिस वर्क ओके सम ऑफ अस सम ऑफ अस ऑल दिस 10 रूम 15 रूम ऑल दिस थिंग वी बिल्ड इज कॉस्टिंग अस वाला बिकॉज़ यू वांट पीपल टू लिव इन दैट हाउस you you got a lot of olorubuku where eshugangan eshugangan bebe what you use your money to build become wala for you and you have to be pray lord help me to send these people out they are causing me wala home truths difficult for some people to accept but that's the reality if i tell you what i'm doing You think I'm Ijebu? I'm not Ijebu. I'm just using Bible sense. Can I tell you one? Look, God gave me a house. I have a house. But I refuse to live there. Initially I wanted to live there. I have five bedroom house, two big uh, parlors. I want to make one my study and all those things. I built that one that house. It took me about 7 years to finish it. I finished it. Was it not last year? Is it last year or this year? Finish it. My wife said, "Let's go there." I said, "I'm not going there." Ah, you are not going there. I said, "I'm not going to live in that house. I'm too young to live in my own house." You see? I said, "Yes." She said, "What's the explanation?" I said, "Good. Your first son is in the university. Your second son is going." Oku Michael gave Michael. Oku Kekerei. Kele Todagba. Jesus, I tell you, dear. And continue it. I'm just saying joking. But I said, look, once these tools have gone, the other our children uh, register, all of them are going. It will remain me and you and this small one. This three bedroom is okay. Let us change that house and be collecting rent. And we have collected rent more than five hundred thousand. If you say, hey, I change the structure. I change your three bedroom, two bedroom. I let it out. If I say I let it out, I've not got there. I've not been back there. I just asked the agent, "Is are they doing well?" He said, "They are doing well." If I allow me to make deal, only be should there. I share it. Hey, it's a simple calculation. Let me give you the calculation. It's a simple calculation. Where I'm living now, they just increase it to two hundred and fifty thousand per annum, and the house I'm letting now is five hundred thousand. So if I collect five hundred thousand, I remove two fifty thousand. What is left for me? Okay. No, it's common sense. It's common sense. Why do you want to live big and live extravagantly? Only atuma le ekiri. And there are other things to do with money, with ministry, with a lot of things. They are missionaries. They are gospel to preach. They are wasting money. Okay, if you are not, if God has meet all your need, keep it in the bank and do something good for somebody. Some of these children need sponsorship in a university. Somebody needs assistance. One way or the other, why don't you do that? It will be part of your reward in heaven. But we miss that. We want to live big. We want to live, and we are buying car every year. Alamo ya shori budi adiye. Number ten ijare. Okay, no monitoring, no inspection. When you don't monitor your money in the church, it's another mistake. You have thieves and robbers. I mean, she breaking the the church because of people that are light fingered. Ushers, accountants, and financial committee members in local central headquarters churches today have light fingers, and so much monies are getting lost, unnoticed. 
Simply because church leaders has failed to put system of checks and balances in place. Many of such people have used church money to buy cars, build expensive mansions, and do lots of sundry things. Careless and blind trust have made many churches to be shipwrecked financially by these light-fingered people. The system that are created in the church give much more room to stealing, corruption, and plefarious. May God help you correct your church. That's another mistake. There are a lot of pastors that are thieves. Especially people in charge of money in their churches. A lot of deacons and elders and committees. Because we didn't put this check and balances there. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you a story. There was a day I came here. I came here. I remember I came here. I went to Baba Obey's office. His office is up there. Now when I entered, I saw that he was focused on a particular section of his office. Ah, he greeted me, uh, Reverend, how are you? I said, fine, sir. I saw that he faced somewhere. Huh? So I tried to say, Daddy, what are you looking at? Ah, he said, I'm looking at the counting room. Yes. He was watching CCTV, a security camera that focused on the room where the offering is being counted. We don't say those people are thieves, but it's better to put check and balances in place. And I learned a lesson. And some of the people collecting money in our church we raise this offering, raise this offering, raise this offering. Imagine sorrow, people will be much to cow. Some people that are close to us helping us to collect money. Hey, it's for their pockets. Oh, I've seen pastors steal our books. I've seen pastors steal our tapes, steal our resources, steal our materials. Not they told me, I see it. I see pastors steal our offering, even up to last conference. Oh, you think I don't know? Sit down. If that is happening in pastors' conferences, how about in your church? Oh, you think everybody joining Russia, everybody in charge of committee, all of them are going to heaven, children of God? Oh, the people we put in charge of money in the church, you think all of them are faithful? But we don't put any system in place to check them, to checkmate, to watch them. Even in deeper life, in those days, when Jesus Christ was on earth, holy she was there. When holiness was holiness, we see our people stealing. Not to talk of now. Poor money attitudes. Look at number 11. That's another big mistake. Another major money mistake is that a lot of ministers depend on their rich members than God. They become slaves of donors, contributors, and those who give large sums of money to their ministries. They scamper and bow down privately at their feet. Worship them. Preach for them. And water down their messages so that they will not be offended. Some have even divorced their legal wives and eloped with their rich female members. This mistake has led preachers to take money from armed robbers, corrupt government officials, and become prayer contractors. You know, during the, ta- during the time of uh, late President Shewu Musa Yaradua, you know, some pastors became rich because of that sickness. 
some pastors, not visitation. That's the one the newspaper reported. I'm not talking of those who went to visit. I'm talking of people that traveled to Saudi Arabia. Pastors who went and prayed. I'm talking of people that were lodged in hotel at Abuja and for one week they gave them one million naira each and they abandoned their church. So then you spend two, three weeks praying. The person they know will die. And they were giving fake prophecies. Fake visions. I read the papers by then. Come and see pastors talking. If I can see him, if I pray, he will get healed. Oh, me. It's advertisement and propaganda. Some of them prophesy, he will come back alive. Okwe nagbedeo. Tore na shejari. To pray for government is our duty. The Bible says that. But to turn it to a contract. And their pastors, all their pastoral office is in their portfolio. They move from the house of one rich man to the other. Pray! Professor. Because of what? Money. It's a big ministry mistake. And some of us, you know, pastors, when I, want, when I look at things, it burdens my heart. You know, we'll be boasting. I have governors. I have, a, I have a, a ministers. I have government officials. I have them in my church. What are you telling them? Okay. Uh, Reverend Udutola, the man in charge of Bible Society of Nigeria, he said something of recent. He said he met with Obasanjo. And uh, he and Obasanjo was talking. And uh, Obasanjo was asking him questions. He said, he asked him and said, who is that disciple that Jesus loved? Ah, he said, Peter. He said, but my own Peter doesn't know the difference between personal and call, uh, account and government money. Then he asked him again, who is that person that took over from Moses when he went to heaven? Ah, he said, Joshua. Ah, Obasanjo said, my own Joshua, but my own Joshua in my government who is a governor, he is richer than the governor of Central Bank. He asked him again, who is that disciple that is an apostle, that is one of the um, sons of Mary, the junior brother of Jesus? He said, look, uh, say James, James, James. He said, hey! He said, but my own James has much more money than his state. He said, then who is a Christian in Nigeria? And these people are members of churches. They are members of churches. Today we become slaves of rich people. It's a big ministry mistake. Charging for ministration and prayers is another mistake. Failure to disciple and build people is another financial mistake. You only build, you only build cathedrals. We don't build people. We don't build anybody. It's a mistake. Lack of stewardship training. We don't train people. To be stewards of their finances, of their resources, of their talents and treasures. No. We only preach and preach and get money from them. It's a mistake. When there's no separation between personal and ministry finance, everything is lumped together because I'm the one that started it, everything. It's a mistake, brother. Extravagant living. Living beyond your means. Show off. Boasting and bragging. You live like the noble rich of this world, like kings in palaces and all those things. Ostentatious living. It's not compatible with the spirit of the New Testament. But that's what we do. That's what we do. It's a mistake. When your lifestyle 
and your living standard is far higher than the people you are called to preach to. It's a mistake, brother. Business deals. You start business deals with members. You begin to do a job, contribution in the church. And when things doesn't go as planned, the bubble bursts. I know some of us, we have made that mistake before. And that's what almost ruined the ministry of Sunday Adelaja, my good friend. But thank God, God saved him from it. And most of us too, we do contribution in church. We do our job, we collect money, we do business deals, and all those things. And when we want to share the money, we tell people, I am your pastor, you are my member. So you take 40, you take 60. That's why a lot of pastors was gone down. That's why there are a lot of arm robbery attacks. Uh, some of these things that happen, just make sure you get to heaven. You will get to hear things. When pastors have business deals with members, it's a mistake. Then when you gather more liability than your assets, you buy the car you don't need, the house you don't need, you live in places you don't like. I remember somebody the other time, he was having a, prog- a television program. Yes, he was having a, pre- a television program. I was part of that program. But you know by then, he could not pay the television. Muri, Muri International Television. He could not pay them for the quarter. Ask me where he's living. He's living at Marwa Gadi. Abiola Gadi. Former Abiola Gadi. That's where he was living. By then, they were paying 900,000 per annum. And he could not pay. Eventually, he canceled the ministry. And you know, I laugh. I laugh. By the time I heard, he has traveled to U.S. After many years, he came back. He's not more in ministry. He's doing something for some people, Sha. Let me mention that one. The other day, I saw him in one church. Ah, he said, doctor, I like people like you. Ah, all these years, you are still with this, your church growth. I said, now there I go, there. Where will I go? Now this church growth, I know. I don't know anything else. Now this is what I go do till I die. Caught me ten times. Now there you go, meet me. He said, I like people like you. I shook my head. He lost it. Today is not in Christian ministry. Living beyond your means. Simply because God gave you some money. You start living anyhow. You know, some people were surprised. And I know pastors that has, they were so surprised to the extent that they have refused to visit our new office. They were surprised that church go can buy a place. Our own permanent office. They were so surprised. But their thinking is, ah, so one low No, it's no issue of shame one low it's the issue of investment in ministry. It's the issue of taking the five naira, the ten naira, joining together. It's the issue of having 100 naira and you spend just 20 and you invest 80 in that work. That's the issue. The issue is living beyond, below your means. You know, I was reading on the internet this morning. I was checking my mails there. I was checking my mails there. It, I just saw something. I was showing Pastor Les, the billionaires of the world, how they live. You know what? He mentioned one. Many of them, they live in the house they are living since 40 years ago. Warren Buffett, who is the second richest man in the whole world, he is still living in the house he bought in 1957. Can you be that? He is still riding the car he has been riding 15 years ago. Can you be that? And these are billionaires. Look at people like Bill Gates. This year alone, Bill Gates has spent 760 million dollars on polio in Kano, Nigeria. 760 million dollars on polio, eradication of polio in Kano, Nigeria. That's an unbeliever. 
life are we that are Christians? These people live simple lives. But it is we that will live as a great They must know that I've arrived. Arrive where? At the gate of hell. Another ministry mistake. Failure to plan your finances. You don't plan it. That's number 19. You don't plan your finances. Just live anyhow. Any money that comes, it goes. Holy Ghost will do everything. (laughs) I love at you. There's no clear vision. When your vision is not clear, yes sir. When your vision is not clear, it's another mistake. You don't do ministry based on vision. You don't share vision. Vision of a preferable future, of a greater future. How can you get people's money? Now, let me round it up. Now, that financial intelligence ministry, let me just read some of them in a jiffy. Then I will give you something else that is not in your outline. I'm going to go and pray for this one. Now, financial intelligence ministry is on learning, relearning, and learning the truth about money and ministry through books, conferences, and tapes like you are doing here. You learn so much more. You need to unlearn some things. You need to relearn some things in a new way. Financial intelligence is repenting of past mistakes and embracing wholesome way of running ministry with financial integrity. Financial intelligence is not depending solely on salary, but opening multiple streams of income gradually for yourself as God helps you. May you be financially intelligent. Financial intelligence is a strong desire to make your ministry a success through sound financial policy and prayers. And may God give you that grace and desire and strength in Jesus' name. Financial intelligence is setting realistic goals for personal and ministry financial freedom and working on them. From this conference now, you start writing things down. If you are in debt, look up at me. If you are in debt, if you are owing people, you know what you do? Okay, we still have a message on debt. Go and list all your debts. All the things you need to cut, cut them. Look, if I tell you that I've been using one bed for seven, for nine years, will you believe it? You don't. Oh, the suit I wear today, somebody gave it to me. Sincerely speaking, it's my best suit. Somebody gave it to me. So just to rasp my tassel this morning, I said, Somebody gave it to me. It's a 65,000 suit. If it is me, I can't buy it. Not that I don't have the money, but I can't buy it. I've made only one now. I put it up there. Not be making wear Of course, we should look neat. We should look nice. We should look cool. But moderation. I'd rather use the money to support. There are people that I need to support in mission fields. We pay salaries of about 34 missionaries. So I'm looking for money to pay them. Then I'll go and put it on suit. It will rust now. Very soon, if I'm tired of it, I'll give it away. Yeah, I'll give it away. My wife knows I'll give it away. Oftentimes, I'll check my wardrobe. Check my wardrobe. If I see suit, I'll give it away. There's more blessing giving than receiving. So I put nothing in work, but by the way, okay. Now let's go to this one. Let's wrap it up this way. Let's make it personal. Your personal financial values. You need to develop personal financial value. 
That's where it starts from, my brethren. You need to develop a good value system. What is a value? A value is what you really believed in. Your deep core belief. And let me tell you, I've studied ministers. There are wrong values we uphold. That's why our attitude to money is wrong. Let me tell you some wrong values. If I have about seven of them, let me tell you. Then I'll tell you the right ones that you should embrace from today. Because that's where it starts from. Number one, ministers have this wrong value of the end, justify the means. The end, justify the means. Once I'm showing the result, it doesn't matter. Once I build a category, I do everything, it doesn't matter. Like for example, I'll tell you a story. It happened recently. Somebody left a church, his father's church at Abekuta, and went to Ijebode to build another church. One year after he left, he invited his father from Abekuta to come and bless his church at Ijebode, one year anniversary. When the man got there, the guy has built a cathedral, something like this. That man of God was surprised, the elderly one. And he asked him, in one year, he said, yes, Babami. When he was going, he gave him one million naira honorarium. And he gave him a jeep. A four by four. And said, sir, that's your gift for helping me to start a ministry. I land under you. And that one said, I can't collect this one. This work I've been doing for years. You do it for one year. You build a cathedral. One million naira honorarium. And jeep. Ah! I said, Baba, we can't follow the way you are doing your own. Hey. Is there another way you follow? Of course. Then that man play like a dumb. Can you show it to me? I said, Baba, I already have They appointed day. They drove somewhere. Don't let me say the place. Okay, like Berlin. <laughs> they drove somewhere. And they went inside the bush. About five kilometers into the bush for prayers. You know, most people that say they are going to mountain, mountain, mountain. Hey, you know, you were five kilometers inside the forest. Then they met an elderly woman whose breast is as long as my two hands. And she put the breast inside one basin, and the milk of the breast was inside. What should you just do? Just kneel down. Take the milk, put it on your tongue, and put it on your head. On your way, money has come. Crowds will flow. Brethren, these are the days of Simon the sorcerer in ministry. Have you read Acts chapter 8? Simon the sorcerer. He was gathering crowds. The Bible says from the smallest to the greatest, everybody gave heed to him. They were even saying, this is the great power of God. Not knowing is the power of sorcery. Many of the crowds doesn't come from God. I can say that. But I won't say more than that. Get the end justified the means. And the, man, the young man will say, Baba, we are not using this to kill anybody. We are using it to bring crowds and we are preaching gospel to them. Preach gospel. But it is because he has this wrong value system. That's what made him to do that. Number two, if the price is right, I can compromise. That's another value we hold as pastors. That's why unbelievers, sinners, rich people, 
they believe that every pastor has a price. Every pastor has a price. If the price is right, pastors will compromise the gospel. And it's true. Number three, get rich quick. By all means. By all means. And you know, pastors, we do that. Look at the back of a flyer of a big church. What is there? When I came to this church, testimonial, when I came to this church, nine months ago, I was houseless. I was childrenless. I was jobless. I was coverless. I was wifeless. I was businessless. I was everythingless. But after nine months, when I listened to Papa, when I listened to Messi, I have house. I have children. I have wives. I have money. I travel abroad. I have mansions. I have cars. In nine months! What kind of job can you do in nine months that will fetch you all that? And we put it at the back of our flyers as testimonies. Yes. Another wrong value system. I am born to get. I am born to receive from others. You know when you have that mindset, you want everything free. You want to receive. You don't want to give. When they say giving time, you are annoyed. Because your value about money, about finances, I am born to receive from others. God has called me to receive. Pastors like that, they don't pay tithes. They don't pay for anything. They want books free. They want resources free. They want everything free. Another value system that we have. Wrong one, oh. Gain as much as you want from every transaction, from every relationship, from, every, from everybody you come in contact with. Gain as much as you want. And you know that's why we take advantage of our relationships. When people, when we have a relationship, we want to take advantage. When somebody gives us a platform, we want to take advantage. We want to gain as much as possible. You know, I receive a lot of tests. People test me a lot. Like one pastor, he called me. He said he's a pastor. I don't know if he's a pastor. He called me. Was that not Thursday? Hey, is that Akijo? I said yes. He said, I came to your office the other time to buy a book. I said yes. Many people come. And he said, yes, I need to say something to you. I said, say it now. He said, no, I will send you a test. I said, okay. So some couple of minutes later, his test came in. You know what he was saying? He said he had idea that he needed to do operation. I need to come and give him 35,000. This is his account number. I should go and pay it to the bank. I deleted it straight away. So about two days back, he sent the test again. I deleted it. Me, I was thinking, if you are a genuine man of God, you need assistance. Shabi, you will come. How many people will I pay to the account? Do I have a machine that costs money in the house? Timati eni? Omanje inki? Onje paper? Even if I have a machine that costs money in the house, I need to buy ink and paper. Somebody will say, and I receive different kind of tests. They say so many things. I just look at them. I say, look at these people. Okay, simply because you know my phone number, I put it in our books and all those things. Okay, simply because you have access to me now, you can call me so you can abuse it. Gain as much as you want. It's a wrong financial mindset. Now, that's for the wrong one. Let me give you the right one and we'll pray. Honesty. When it comes to money, embrace the value of honesty. Be open, be transparent. Be open and transparent about how you make money. Let's know the story of what you have. Do you have the receipts? All the things in your house. Can you produce the receipt? If we ask you, how did you make that 
money? How did you buy that car? Buy that house? Can you tell us? Be honest. Embrace honesty. Embrace integrity. Decide to be open. When it comes to money, let money be your servant, not your master. Embrace the value that I won't do anything for money. If you know you are going somewhere to preach for money, don't go. Hello? Another one. Have a source of income. Let's know your source of income. Different from your salary. I know you are a geo. I know you are whatever. But have a source of income. Have something else. Different from salary. Where money is coming in. So if we ask you, where do you get your money, sir? We can know. You can tell us. And by the time we calculate, we know. Don't be like that pastor that died in the Bellevue air crash some couple of years back. Yeah, at the end of the day, when, it was, when they were to do the Christian service of songs, two women showed up. His legal wife in Nigeria with two kids. He did white wedding with them. Another one from abroad. He did white wedding with that one too. And he was working in INEC. His salary was, was 100,000 per month. But in his account, it was 100 million they met there. And he has worked in Nineck for just about five years. Where did he got the money? Some of us cannot explain where we got all the money we are spending. One can repay. And Rukini in Sita, Akpa. We are just spending. Where do you get it? Decide to embrace integrity. So that somebody, somewhere, someday, can ask a question. I remember Pastor Leke. Pastor Leke was telling me that in their church in London, I was there. I was there in June to do our conference. I know it was a nice time. There's a white guy in that church. There are several white guys in the church. He said there was a, this white guy is a giver in that church. He said, but one day he came to the administrator and said, I need to see the account of my giving. Imagine that. Somebody that has been donating money in the church and he was not talking. White person, oh, said, I need to see the account of my giving. And the accountant went and printed everything out. Hey, I know the, uh, I know the administrator. Dickin Wale, very meticulous guy. And you know when that one saw it, he was watching the day he gave 2,000, the day he gave 5,000, the day he gave 1,000. He was corresponding with the own detail in his own hand. Not knowing that when he was giving money, he too was recording it. Uh, these people we are leading, they are wiser than us. Stand up on your feet. And you know he said, when the guy checked everything and he saw that the church was faithful, he said, okay, I'm satisfied. From that day, he started giving more than anybody else. People need to prove us. And most of the time, we fail. And the final one there, make sure you pray out every covetousness in your life. Make sure you pray it out. Make sure there's no atom of covetousness in your life. Pray it out. Lord, any covetousness, do an oppression and remove it in my heart. And the Lord will do it in Jesus' name.
raise up your right hand. Every wrong value system in my life. I can't hear you. Every wrong value system in my life. Lord, touch me by the blood of your son. Open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus. Every wrong values about money, purge me of them today in the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be a change in the way I see money, in the way I handle money, in the way I make money, in the way I manage money. Lord, uproot every wrong value. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.